I have a topic today that I am endlessly fascinated with, and uh, I've got a couple of people who are going to uh, help unmuddy the waters a little bit, because what do we keep hearing about in the news lately? Uh, UFOs. And uh, so I've got a couple of fellow retired cops who are doing some extraordinary work, and I really thought you needed to meet them. Marianne, Rob, and Dave Rich, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Betsy. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. So uh, just talk about uh, a little bit about yourselves and uh, your police careers, and then uh, let's get right into it. All right. Well, let me start. Uh, my name, of course, is Marianne. I was a police officer in Arizona for 34 years. And all my years as an officer worked different um, sections of the police department, detectives, and of course, patrol mostly. Well, about seven or so years ago, my late husband kind of got me into this organization, introduced me to, and it's called MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, and it's out of the Phoenix area. We have a chapter here. And I'm thinking, MUFON, UFOs, yeah, I'm a police officer. I don't, I don't do this kind of stuff. And I went to a meeting, and it was really credible, credible people that have seen things that they can't explain, whether it's a, you know, UFO, uh, maybe a paranormal type issue. And I started looking into this organization and reading up on it, watching videos. And I noticed not only just regular normal people have seen these things, but we're talking police officers that have stories of firefighters, EMTs, that actually have seen things. But the only thing that I had caught was that you have people talking about these sightings that they've seen, except for the police officers, the firefighters and the EMTs. And we're, I'm thinking, why, why not? Well, duh, would I, if I saw something, am I gonna go to my department and go, hey, hey I just saw light in the sky? Not necessarily because I don't wanna be ridiculed. I don't want to be left at. So my partner here, Dave Rich, we've worked together for over 25 years. And I kind of talked to him and said, hey, you know, I know you do a little uh, paranormal stuff. You're, you're interested in the paranormal. I says, how about joining MUFON with me? And he goes, okay. And he came to a couple of meetings and he, he saw what MUFON's all about. And he shared with me a story that he had, uh, an encounter, but he never talked about it. Again, the stigma, he did not want to be ridiculed on this. And I'll let him share that story. But we sat down together and we go, what organization, what can we do to help other police officers, you know, share their stories in a safe zone, as we call it. So we came up with an organization called UAPPD, which is Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon PD for Police Department. And our organization is where police officers and all type of first responders can share their stories with us. They can remain anonymous or be identified and just get that story off their chest because you know they're keeping it inside. And it's probably stressing them out. And Dave will explain all that and he'll testify to that. We want them to be able to relieve themselves. Tell us a story, get it off. Know that there is people that are serious about this that are not gonna ridicule them um and not going to um laugh at them i mean i no we're cops you know we we feel the same way they do and we are the safe zone and that's why we started the organization uappd 
And so, cops have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have better than uh, average uh, um observational skills right dave and and that's i'm gonna guess that's something that uh you know you thought about when you saw what you saw talk about that yeah so my background similar to marianne is a retired now 25 plus years spent time as a patrol like everybody detectives uh narcotics homicide uh sex crimes things like that ended my career in sro school resource officer for a number of years And my encounter wasn't actually with a UFO. It was actually with something a little different um, that can only be described as maybe a ghost, possibly. Um, But similar to what Marianne said is, and when she says she invited me to move on, she kind of dragged me in kicking and screaming is really more along the lines of what happened. But so my story, like I said, it's not really a UFO story, but I was working at a high school and at 11.54 in the morning, we got a 911 call from the front desk of the school on a Saturday. So there's nobody there. 911 call, they answer the phone. 911 dispatcher says, hey, 911, what's your emergency? Normal standard thing, most officers realize. And there's this whispered kind of hush voice, sounds like a girl that says, what sounds like I'm scared. Dispatcher says, you're scared? And it's, it says no. And then you hear what sounds like the receiver being dropped on the countertop. So obviously they dispatch patrol. This is my school that I was the SRO at. Two patrol units respond, use an Xbox key, go inside. They find the phone laying on the counter off the receiver, pick it up, open line to 911. Because for 14 minutes, the dispatcher was going, hello, hello, pick up the phone. PD guy, patrol guy clears with uh, dispatch, lets them know, hey, we're inside. We found this has to be the phone. It's literally laying on the counter. I'm talking to you. They hang it up. They search the entire office. They don't find anything. They go into the nurse's office. When they walk into the nurse's office, what the guy tells me is he's like, I don't know what it was, but we walked into the nurse's office and something went between the two of us that neither of us could see and went out the room. And so I go, it's, that happened to be the day that prom was. So now Saturday night comes around, I go for prom, run into the principal. Principal says, hey, you need to call the patrol guy about the 911 call at the school today. I'm like, what kind of 911 call? It's a Saturday. Why would there be a 911 call? And so I end up knowing who the patrol officer was because we'd worked with him for years. So I end up calling dispatch. They're like, oh, yeah, you need to talk to this guy. I'm like, okay. So I send him a text. His response was, dude, your school is effing haunted. And I'm like, what? Wow. So I call him. And he proceeds to tell me this. So like usual police officers, I get a story like that. And I'm like, right. Okay. I tell my sergeant at the time, hey, you're not going to believe what happened at the school. He was a closet ghost freak. He's like, well, you need to investigate it. And I'm like, why? He's like, well, it's misuse of 911. And I'm like, well, who am I going to arrest? And so I end up doing this investigation because my boss is like, hey, you need to do this investigation. So here's where it gets weird. I end up pulling the security footage. The security footage from that office, that phone is in the dead center of the screen. You can see clearly. I take the video and go all the way back to seven, six o'clock in the morning. I watch it all the way up to when that 911 call comes down. I watch it all the way up to when the two officers approach at the bottom of the screen. And there is nobody at that phone. And I, you can see it from all angles. There's no way anybody could get to the phone. It's not detailed enough for you to see the phone come off the hook. 
but you can see the patrol officer walk over to you. You can see him pick it up off the counter. You see him talking. You see him hang up. You see them walk around and search. And at the bottom of the screen, you see the two of them go into the nurse's office. And three seconds later, you see the two of them run out looking around like they're looking for something. And so I'm like, well, that's weird. So I pull the 911 tape. So I got a copy of the security footage. I got a copy of the 911 tape. I get the 911 uh, call analyzed. But while that's going on, I end up launching into this investigation. So typical cop, there is a logical explanation for this. I just got to figure out what it is. So I start from the whole, well, maybe the phone call came from one of the classrooms and it got patched through the front desk. So I verify with the school district and with 911, they're like, no, absolutely not. The number that came up on the uh, 911 screen was that phone on that desk. Plus, it also doesn't explain how the phone was off the hook. So then I, I check, well, maybe somebody patched into that phone line somehow, like the old school tapped into the phone line. We go out there with the, with the uh, phone people from the school district. They open that box. Let me tell you. Nobody was in that box for a while. I mean, there was cockroaches, spiders, all sorts of stuff coming up. Nobody was in there. So then I'm like, okay, well, maybe the phone just happened to fall off the hook and somehow it like automatically called 911 because like old school, like I remember, I don't know if most of the officers may not remember this, but a long time ago when you'd had those battery operated phones, when the battery started to die, for some reason it would automatically call 911. So I'm like, well, it's, it's a desk phone so it's not really battery operated but maybe it's something like that so i take the phone off the hook after 15 seconds it cuts out the line goes dead so it couldn't have been like it fell off the receiver on friday night when people left and then it just happened to call 911 and then we still can't explain the voice that they have on the phone clear as day you can hear somebody talking so i basically run down the list and i rule out everything and every time i'm going down this list i'm thinking to myself well Clearly, there's a logical explanation, but I just can't find it. So I end up checking with uh, the front desk people. She claimed to be a psychic medium who talked to dead people, but she was adamant she had nothing to do with this. And I was like, okay. And then I remembered that they, whoever, whatever they encountered, they met in the nurse's office. So then I go over and talk to the nurse. The nurse happened to be the wife of a deputy that I'd known, I've, now I've been there for six years at this school. So I knew her very, very well. Real outgoing personality. So I go in there and I talk to her and she's, you know, hey, you know, happy, normal, happy, until I approach the topic about this 911 call. And then she shuts right down. And I'm like, okay, I've been doing this job long enough to know that that's something. So I kind of let it go. Cause again, this isn't really a criminal investigation. So we'll just let it go and see what happens. Come back a couple hours later, same bubbly, friendly personality until I ask her about the topic. She shuts down again. So I'm like, okay, this is weird. So I'm like, I'm going to back off. Let's give it a couple of days. During the time that that couple of days is passing, we end up getting the analysis back on the 911 call. The 911 call, when they amplified the voice, it doesn't actually say, I'm scared. It says, I scare. So it responded to the dispatcher because the dispatcher said, you're scared. And then it said no, and then dropped the phone on the counter. So I'm like, well, that's really weird. So I go back to the nurse a couple of days later. Hey, you know, I approach the topic again, same outgoing bubbly personality until I get to the topic. She finally just slams the pen down and goes, fine, I'll tell you. I'm like, tell me what? 
She proceeds to tell me that her entire life she has been followed by some sort of entity or ghost. That she will move from house to house and everything will be fine for like two weeks and then all of a sudden stuff will happen again. And it's like your typical stuff that you see on TV shows. It's footsteps upstairs, doors slamming when there's nobody else in the house. The dog will just start barking at the nothing in the corner. And so I'm like listening to all this and I'm kind of like in disbelief because I'm like, what the heck is going on? She then proceeds to tell, when I asked her, well, why are you telling, you know, you didn't tell me this like the last couple of days. Why are you telling me now? And she's like, well, three weeks ago, everything at the house stopped and we didn't move. It just stopped. And last night, everything started at the house again. And I ended up going back through our 911 calls and found out that that 911 call that I was dealing with was actually our third 911 call that started three weeks ago. So everything lined up. So that was my experience. And I'm sitting there going, well, this is messed up. Because at the time, I'm like, I didn't believe in ghosts. I didn't believe in, you know, I, I knew there's a lot of stuff in this world that I don't understand. But this is kind of weird. So I go and I tell my boss, hey, this is the end result. Word gets around. And you know the phrase, you get called upstairs, right? Anybody in this job? That means a, for non-cops listening, that means you get called to the boss's office. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I get called upstairs where a sergeant who isn't my sergeant flat out accused me of lying, that I made up everything. It was all garbage. He literally had the video, copy of the video, had the 911 tape, said that I made it all up. And basically I walked out of there with him accusing me of lying, knowing that no matter what, I'm not going to talk about this because of the stigma that police officers face. And so that was the story that kind of, when Marianne called me one day and said, hey, we're talking about why police officers don't talk about what they've encountered. And I said, well, it's because of the stigma. And she's like, well, you know, we kind of were like, well, what do you mean the stigma? So I proceeded to tell her that story and about how when I walked out of that room, I was like, if you say anything, your career is over. Because let's face it, as cops, all of our stuff is credibility and evidence. When we go to trial, it's what evidence do we have and do they believe us or do they believe the person we're arresting? So when it boils down to it, it's our credibility. Our credibility is paramount. So as a police officer, when you encounter something like this and the thought of going forward and talking about it and making everybody question your credibility, all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm just not going to say anything because I've got family to support. I've got a career to think about. I want a retirement. I've got a pension. I had six years left in my career till I was a pen till I had a pension. Right. I was like, I'm not going to risk that over something like this. So for six years, I sat there and carried that and, you know, just carried it. And it ate away at me. Like I knew I encountered something. I can't talk about it. So when we created this group, UAPPD, it really wasn't for the purpose of trying to find, do ghosts exist? Do Bigfoot, does Bigfoot exist? Do UFOs exist? The whole purpose for this is because I know for a fact that there are first responders out there who had similar experiences. And I know for a fact what they are going through and how it will eat at you. The whole reason for this group is to give them an opportunity to talk to people who have been there. Because let's face it, like you, we were willing to take a bullet for everybody when we were on the job, right? We're willing to take a bullet for you now too. You tell us what happened. You can stay completely anonymous. It gets it out, gets it off their chest, gives them an opportunity to get it out. And then we'll, if they want us to reveal it, we'll reveal it with their name secret. We'll reveal it with their name known, whatever they want. But the, what it really boils down to is this isn't an organization for hunting ghosts, hunting UFOs. 
this is an organization designed towards helping officers because nobody and, else is doing it. And that's so important because, you know, Marianne, you and I have talked about this so much, you know, police officer mental health um, yeah. is so precarious to begin with. And we're trying to do so much work with that. And this is one more topic that you're so aptly saying, Dave, that that officers who have had this type of encounter, it literally eats at them. Oh, yeah. oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, so, yeah. So how, uh, you know, talk about how much success you've had with this. Well, we've only, we've been doing this about seven months now. And we've had some pretty good success uh, officers around the Valley area, the Phoenix area that have come forward. We've actually had a couple officers from our agency, Gilbert Police Department, that's actually come forward and telling us some uh, stories that they've encountered. Um, we're trying to get the word out more. We want to go worldwide if we could. Um, we're, I'm, I'm kind of talking to a, a, an officer that's in New York State that saw something, but because he was a sergeant at the time and then became chief of police, he wasn't gonna say anything. And this happened back in 2018. He's coming forward now talking to me and I'm gonna actually meet with him in December. I'm going to New York and meet with him and, and get his full story. So we are just, um, we're just starting out and we want to get the word out to everybody to please contact us um and and share their encounters with us yeah if, if you're a first responder police officer firefighter emt park ranger and you've encountered something that you haven't you have no clue you can't you don't understand it we want those stories you're not alone you have a group that you can talk to now who are going to have your back literally we're going to have your back call us even if you think it's insignificant even if you think oh this is crazy i don't want to talk about it the worst thing that can happen is you're going to find people that had a like experience and you can become friends. Marianne, what other kind of encounters have you, have you heard about, you know, whether it's you've talked to the person directly or rumors or yourself, you know, what, what kinds of things are you hearing about? Well, we've got uh, one person that was with our agency that actually encountered a skinwalker up on the Navajo reservation. Um, we've got the Gila River Reservation here close to uh, where I am in Mesa. Uh, we've had a, let's see, uh, little people experience with little people that out by a mission, it's at night. And I'm sorry? Uh, no. Yeah, um, where they actually get on the, the person's patrol car <laughs> and they, you know, kind of make some noises on the patrol car. They hear these things of uh, stancing while the officer just puts all his lights on his patrol car, lights and siren, every takedown light he can, and he gets out of that area. When he looks at his patrol car to see what was going on, he sees fingerprints on his patrol car in the dust. I mean, there was dust everywhere, but these fingerprints are there. Um, we've had ghosts. We've had ghosts. We've ghosts. had UFO sightings. Yeah. Um, basically, we've had just about everything. Yeah. We've actually had a number of stories come forward and we still want more. Um, but we're not just UFOs, ghosts or Bigfoot. Like we have one sergeant that came forward with a weird thing. Whenever he would go to do a death notification, when he would show up on the doorstep, if he you know, that very significant smell of death. Anybody who's done this job knows that smell. He would smell that. 
And if he if he would smell it, he would know that they knew yeah, that yeah, the, the person, person had passed. Yeah. And he said it happened numerous times. And of course, so. if he didn't smell the the odor of death at that front door when he's going to give that emergency message to the family, if he didn't, then that meant the family did not know that their loved one or their you know significant other, whatever, has passed. Yeah, because we're taking stories on anything that is unexplained. It doesn't have to just be UFOs or ghosts. If you're a first responder and you've had something that you cannot explain, please call us. Okay, uh, so I'm not going to sleep for the next couple of days, but uh, could you t- <laughs> could you tell folks um, again uh, how they can follow you and, of course, where they can find you? Right, we have a website and it's uap dash pd.com and that's our website and we have a little button that uh, in the corner that says contact us so it tells us a little bit about us and then they can push that button and they can say contact us give us that information it'll shoot to us also we do have a, a gmail account it's uap police at gmail.com so they can get us both ways and I monitor it all the time. Be more than happy. I'll give them a call and Hey, I'll go to them. I have no problem. I'd love to travel and I would have no problem whatsoever going to them um, and sit down and talk to them and get their story. I'll tell you guys, I can't wait until you have your own reality TV show. So we'll look forward to that. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.